Chapter 4 Does it terrify you? The lawyer's name was De Groot. His office didn't look like much. It was in one of those strip malls with a convenience store at one end and a State Farm insurance office on the other end. It didn't look like a place to lay a trap. But that's the thing about traps. If they looked like traps, they wouldn't be very effective. And the place did have one big problem for us. There was nowhere to hide any big morphs. Nowhere to conceal Jake's tiger or Rachel's grizzly bear. Behind the building was a fenced-in dumpster. Between the dumpster and the back wall of the building was a narrow space, dark enough, private enough for me to morph. But I hesitated, floating above the building on the wonderful updrafts graded by sun and concrete. I could see in the front window of the lawyer's office. I saw a secretary sitting at a desk. I saw some old magazines on the table in the waiting room. I couldn't see De Groot. Didn't matter. Seeing a man's face doesn't tell you much. Not when the most important thing about him is the slug hiding, wrapped around his brain. I looked around. I saw some of the others. Jake and Cassie were sitting on the outside benches of a Taco Bell across the street. Jake was eating nachos, looking past Cassie at me. He knew I could see him. I did a little roll, you know, rocking side to side to say, hi. He raised a nacho at me, like he was making a toast. I saw Marco coming out of the convenience store with a drink I could have taken a bath in. He acted like he'd just noticed Axe, in human morph, of course, and ambled over to say hello. I could not see Rachel, but I knew she was in the laundromat next door to the lawyer's office. She was my first backup. If I yelled for help, she'd head into the laundromat's bathroom, morph to Grizzly Bear, and come straight through the wall to save me. I pitied any poor soul who happened to be using the bathroom if Rachel needed it. Everyone in place. Everyone was ready. Still, I hesitated. Not because the situation worried me. Not because I was afraid. It's very comforting knowing you have an on-call Grizzly Bear. Mostly, I was just nervous. What was I going to discover? What was I going to learn? What temptations would I have to face? Strange word, temptations. Strange concept. But that's what worried me most. Temptation. Okay, Tobias, I told myself. Everyone can see your dawdling. Get it over with. I swooped low over the roof of the strip mall and dropped swiftly down into the space behind the dumpster. A lovely place. Beer cans, weathered Dorito bags, candy wrappers, cigarette butts. I landed on damp dirt and scraggly grass, and I began to morph. It's funny, you know, because when Jake or one of the others becomes human, that's demorphing. But for me, the human is just another animal shape I can take on 
Human DNA flows in my veins. My own human DNA, thanks to some neat work by the vastly powerful creature called the Elemist. On one of our first missions, I was trapped in the hawk body I now thought of as my own. Some months later, the Elemist used me to help some free hork Bashir escape. The Elemist paid me for my services. But, as usual with that unfathomable creature, there was a complication. I had asked him to give me what I wanted most. I had assumed he'd make me human again. Instead, he left me a hawk, but gave me back my morphing powers. And by twisting time itself, he brought me face to face with my old self, and let me acquire my own DNA. I could be my old human self. I could be that human boy for two hours and keep my morphing powers. Or I could remain more than two hours, be my old self forever, and forever lose my morphing ability. Axis people, the Andalites, know a little about the race or the individual called Elamist. No one knows for sure whether there's just one, or many, or whether it matters. Anyway, the Andalites tell fairy stories of the Elamists. They see them as tricksters, unreliable, creatures who use their power in unpredictable ways. Well, the Elamist had tricked me. He left me hanging, stuck between two impossible choices. Become human and stop being an Animorph. Or live the life I live now. All this flashed through my thoughts as I began to focus on the change I wanted to make. I felt the resentment I'd often felt for the Elemist. But more, I felt my own indecision. Slowly at first, because my mind was confused, then faster as I focused, my body began to change. I grew taller, my sharp talons dulled, became pink and chubby toes. My leathery legs sprouted out of their feather sheath and thickened. I heard the bones stretching, becoming more solid. I felt, as though it were happening far off, my internal organs shift and change. It was a squirmy, almost nauseating feeling, which wasn't bad considering the bizarre transformation that was going on in my insides. My wing bones thickened and became heavy. Fingers began to emerge from the feathers, and at the same time, all over my body, the feathers curled and twisted and disappeared. In their place was pink skin and the minimal clothing I'd managed to incorporate in my morph. My beak became soft, gradually melting into lips. Teeth appeared in my mouth with a grinding, disturbing sound that resonated in my expanding skull. My hearing grew confused. My eyesight dimmed. It was as if anything more than a couple of dozen feet away grew irrelevant. My eyes would not naturally focus on faraway things, preferring to see up close. I felt exposed without my feathers. I felt deaf and blind. It was as if someone had gotten hold of the brightness and the contrast knobs on an old TV and turned them both down by half, then lowered the volume to a whisper. Human senses work okay for what humans do. But compared to a hawk, a human is deaf, blind, and helpless. Worst of all was the leaden pull of gravity. Not that a hawk ignores gravity. It's just not so... final when you have wings. I felt like someone had remade me in iron, and the earth was one big magnet. We'd left a paper bag with more appropriate clothing behind the dumpster. I put it on as quickly as I could, 
with unfamiliar fingers. Still, even clumsy fingers are a marvel. If there's one big physical advantage a human has over a hawk, it's the hand. Yes, human brains are the best around, but the brain would be nothing without that hand. I checked my clothing. I looked down at my shoes. I ran my tongue around the inside of my mouth, feeling the barbaric sensation of big, bony teeth. Hello, I said, trying out my voice. Hi. Hi. My name is Tobias. Chapter 5 Hello. My name is Tobias. I... I hesitated. The secretary was looking at me skeptically, like maybe I'd come in looking to borrow a quarter for the video game at the convenience store. My name is Tobias. I told her my last name. Weird. I could barely remember it. It felt like I was using an alias. I think Mr. DeGroote wanted to talk to me. She was puzzled. I looked at her nameplate. Ingrid. It's pronounced DeGroote. It rhymes with boat. Oh. Let me just check with Mr. DeGroote. She picked up her phone and punched a line. Mr. DeGroote, there's a young boy named Tobias out here. He says, oh, all right. She hung up the phone. I guess he does want to see you, she admitted. Right through that door. I checked the door. Fine. The lawyer's office was still sharing a wall with the laundromat. If I started yelling, it would take Rachel about three minutes to morph and come through that wall. Three minutes is a very long time when you can't even fly. I used the doorknob. Yes, human hands were very cool. As a bird, I'd have been totally defeated by the doorknob. Dick Grote was younger than I expected. More in his twenties or thirties than really old. He was wearing a white shirt and red suspenders. His jacket was thrown casually over a chair. He jumped up and smiled. So you are Tobias. Yes, I'm Tobias. He looked me up and down. I did the same to him. I've been hoping I could locate you, Tobias. Have a seat, please. Would you like some water? A soda? Coffee? No, I guess you don't drink coffee at your age. A soda? We have Coke, Diet Coke, and we might have some Dr. Brown's cream soda. I'd have to have Ingrid check. If he was getting ready to pull a gun and shoot me, or expect to have Visser 3 come storming in the door, he hit it very well. I relaxed a little, but I was baffled. Water? Coffee? Soda? What was the right answer? Um, uh, good grief. You'd think it was Final Jeopardy and the category was Obscure Modern Poets. I was so out of practice being humans. I'd like a Coke, I practically yelled. DeGroote pressed his intercom. Ingrid, our young friend would like... A Coke, yes. I heard him. All the way out here. The lawyer and I stared at each other till the Coke came. I gripped the can self-consciously and pressed it to my beak, lips. It had been a long time since I'd tasted sugar. I almost burst out laughing. 
It was like being axed in human morph. The taste of sugar was overwhelming. And the coldness. I hadn't felt cold in my mouth in a very long time. Tobias, where have you been staying? Your legal guardians both seem to think the other one had you. Not a question I wanted to answer. I take care of myself. DeGroote smiled. No doubt, but you are underage. You can't take care of yourself. Not legally. You can't lock me up, I said. Literally true. One thing about being an anamorph. No home, no building, no school, no jail or prison could hold me. The lawyer looked pained. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, what are you talking about? That seemed to set him back a little. It was weird. I had a toughness I'd never had when I was human. As a human, I'd been a bully magnet. Here's the thing. I represent your father's estate. My father is dead. Tobias. He leaned across his desk. Your father? That father? The man who died? That may not have been your real father. What? I have a document. It's a strange situation. Very strange. Look, Tobias, I'm going to level with you. My father used to run this office. He's dead, too. He left this document along with the rest of his client's papers. But on this, he wrote me very specific instructions. Very specific. On the day of your next birthday, your father's last statement was to be read to you, if at all humanly possible. I didn't know what to say. If this was a trap, it was a weird one. Are you okay? You don't seem surprised. No, I didn't, I realized with a start. I had forgotten to make facial expressions. It was something I didn't do as a hawk. I am surprised, I said. I twisted my face into what I hoped was an expression of surprise. But it occurred to me that I was facing a new problem. He'd said he'd read the document on my next birthday. When was my birthday? I couldn't exactly ask him. Now there's a new complication. A woman named Arya who says she's your cousin, your great-aunt's daughter. Apparently, she's only just learned of your situation. She's a very acclaimed nature photographer, and she's been on a long-term assignment in Africa. She wants to meet you. Why? Your family. She wants to help you. Oh. She'd like to meet you tomorrow, at the hotel where she's staying, if that's okay. It's the Hyatt downtown. Do you know where that is? I could have said, yes, I am familiar with their roof. A peregrine falcon has a nest there, and a niche in the radio tower. And the thermals are great, sweeping up the south face of the building, warm air radiating up from the street below, and gaining strength from the sunlight reflected off all those windows. What I did say was, yeah, I know where it is. She's very concerned for you. Uh-huh. Do you need money? A place to spend the night? No, I'm fine. He shrugged doubtfully. You look healthy enough. Well-dressed. I almost laughed. Rachel had picked out my wardrobe, 
I look like a poster boy for Tommy Hilfiger. I get by, okay. Um, so when did you say you're going to read this document? On your birthday. Ah, okay. Bye. Chapter 6 My birthday. When was my birthday? This month? What month were we in? I left the office and walked to the convenience store. Axe and Marku studiously avoided noticing me. Axe's human morph face was smeared with something I could only hope was chocolate. I didn't even look at them. No nod, no wink, nothing. If we were being followed, the slightest thing would give us away. The signal for danger was me going to the donut display and looking inside. The signal for okay was me picking up a mounds bar and putting it back down. I toyed with the mounds bar. The guy at the counter said, You gonna buy that? Axe and Marco left. I went to the newspaper rack. I checked the date. The month. Yes, this was my birthday month. Today was the 22nd. My birthday was... The 25th. Yes, that was it. Probably. I waited till Marco and Axe were clear. Then I went outside. I blinked at the sun and almost flapped my wings. My father. My father was not my father? There was some real father somewhere? Also dead or gone? That was a lot of coincidence. And some long-lost cousin showing up within days of when this father's will was supposed to be read to me? Way too much coincidence. I started walking. I was heading to the nearby park to demorph at a spot we'd chosen in advance. Halfway there, I heard Jake's thought-speak voice in my head. I think you're being followed. A big guy in a suit. I didn't wonder too much where Jake was. In the sky somewhere. Up flying free. We had planned for this. I glanced across the street and saw a speedy Muffler King and an Applebee's. I headed for the Applebee's. Across traffic, trotting like I'd suddenly realized I was hungry. Yup, he's following you, Jake reported. In the front door of Applebee's. Fast. Fast toward the men's room before my tail could catch sight of me again. Then, a quick cut left, past the bathroom, into the kitchen. Waiters and waitresses were running around, pushing, laughing, yelling. The cooks were banging pots. I pushed past the dishwasher looking for the back door. Hey, if you're looking for the bathroom, someone called out as I blew past. Out the back door, I broke into a run. There was a residential street of small homes behind the restaurant. Down a connecting alley, I cut right again, heading once more for the park. I wasn't too worried. Someone might think he could follow me without being noticed, but I had eyes in the sky watching over me. You lost him. Jake reported. I trotted on toward the park. They had a covered but open kind of restroom thing. You know, with a roof, only the walls didn't go all the way up. I found an empty stall and waited. Tobias, you're clear, Cassie said. I demorphed. Back to Hawk. I flew up and out of the stall, up away from humans and back into the blue sky. Only then did it hit me full force. 
Someone wanted me. Family wanted to take care of me. Unless, of course, what they really wanted was to learn my secrets and then kill me. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode. I don't have too much uh, this week, but I do have a lovely email that you can write in at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. This is from our friend Willis the Auris, writing back in, uh, titled Fanfiction? Question mark. Uh, while listening to the new app, I was wondering if you would ever read Animorphs fanfiction for bonus content or something. I know there are some rather large-slash-popular ones out there. Could be a fun holiday special or charity livestream, because I know you've mentioned not wanting to make a Patreon for reading other people's writings. Just a thought while bored at work. Keep up the good work. Willis the Arts. Thank you so much for writing in, Willis. Um, hmm... That's an interesting thought. You know, I've never actually read any uh, Animorphs fanfiction. I used to be kind of into fanfiction um, as a young teen, but I kind of... Uh, the bug didn't really bite me. I know there are some people who are, like, really, really into fanfiction, and that was never me. Although I have read some good ones. Uh, if that... I, I guess I'm not, like, opposed to it. Uh, I just... Hmm... If people want it, you know, maybe we can make something work. <laughs> I guess is how I'll put it. Uh, I could probably squeeze... I mean, if, if it's not too long, I could probably squeeze that in somewhere. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll make it for charity or something. I don't know. Hey, people, if uh, that sounds like something you'd like to hear, let me know. Maybe we can make it happen. Also, let me know which ones are the good fanfics, because I don't know. I'm not part of the Animorphs fanfic community. Um... But thank you for writing in, Willis. Uh, much to think about. <laughs> Other than that, uh, just some end of the show notes. So if you'd like to write in like Willis did, you can do that at the Gmail I just mentioned. You can do it on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do that uh, through my website. That's theapodcalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and of course, you can get at me on Twitter. That's at audiomorphs. That's what you should also check if I'm ever late publishing... I'll have uh, any information uh, available up there. Uh, other than that, uh, I mean, leave me a rating review on Apple Podcasts if you want. No pressure. Um, and have a great week, I guess. That's all I got to say today. <laughs> um, so I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.